0: Welcome to another episode of the Redeemed Man Podcast. The goal of the redeemed is to provide a supportive community where all men can open up about challenges, worries, and failures, and celebrate their triumphs over those struggles. We hope you find this episode informative, relevant, and most of all, inspiring. Enjoy. Welcome to the Redeemed Man podcast. I'm Nathan Duray, the director, and today I have a great friend of mine, uh, Mark Immelman, who's joining us. Mark is a golf coach and CBS uh, sports announcer and just a great friend. I'm so thankful for him. He's a, been a friend of the redeemed for quite some time, and today we're going to hear a little bit of his story and how uh, he's been prepared to, and God's been preparing him to be a light and uh, on mission for the kingdom, and I uh, cannot wait to hear more from you, Mark. Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, Nate. Um, it's a thrill to be on. I, I'm a fan of what
1: you and Paul are doing. Uh, I think this mission field is is incredible. And the fact that you guys would have me on is is truly an honor. So I'm glad to join
0: you, and I'm I'm looking forward to the conversation. Well, I'm looking forward to it as well. Mark uh, is definitely – his heart aligns with our heart. Uh, He is great at connecting with other people, always looking to build community and connect with other guys. And so I'd love to hear a little bit more even today about – how the relationships around him impacted him and encouraged him in taking greater steps of faith in uh, what he does each day. So Mark, I'd love to hear um, a little bit of your backstory. Uh, Obviously, if people are not familiar with with you, they hear the accent right away and they're Mm -hmm. like, Oh, he's not from here. So tell us a little bit of your story.
1: Well, I guess if, if, if you had to put a, a title to this life story that has been mine, 52 years, um, it would sort of be that anything is possible if you're available. And I'm from South Africa, um, grew up there, uh, came over to college in the United States to Columbus, Georgia, where you guys are. And that was in the early 90s. It was completely on a whim. Um, but if I look back on it, I can see God's hand in in what was happening because the seeds were sown already there. And then I went off and applied my trade. I've been in golf instruction for the lion's share of my uh my career, and then the opportunity came to move back to Columbus as a college golf coach at my alma mater, Columbus State University. And so it was a way to get into the country, uh, albeit difficult, uh, to the United States, that is. And my then fiancé and I took it, Tracy, and we moved over here, and And I spent 20 seasons as a college golf coach. But it was weird, kind of during that time, I was giving golf lessons, and now you know during that time Nate it sort of felt like i was i was excited initially uh, but then i felt like i was in my proverbial desert for a little while you know i was having the four, not 40 year experience but it felt like it always felt like there was something more in me but i was giving lessons and i was giving lessons to club golfers and and lessons to golfers on the PGA tour and and college golf and so it had me full but all that time um, I was sort of having my communication skills, I guess, honed a little bit, and, and I've, I was learning a way to speak about the game. Look, at, look at golf because that's what I'm in. Uh, look at golf a little differently, um, and all of a sudden, an opportunity in radio came along—live play-by-play, which I'd never done before—and <laughs> uh, so that comes along, and lo and behold, my first ever radio broadcast. It turns out that as the rookie on the crew, um, I get the winning call, which I completely wasn't prepared for, and, <laughs> and, and bailed at the chance because there was a playoff for those folks who know golf, and I actually had called because I was the rookie and I got the bad assi- the bad assignments, yeah? yeah, and so I had two guys that I brought them both in, and both guys ended up tied for the lead in the playoffs. And I had a bout with myself, and I got in my own way, and I basically looked at the uh, elder statesman colleague of mine, and I said to him, Bill, I'm not going to do this. You do the playoff, which he duly did, and he got the winning call, which is what everyone kind of wants, and and I slunk back into the shadows a little. And um, the next day, the guy who hired me called me up and berated me in the biggest way. He's like, don't ever do that again. And and I kept on trying to justify my place, saying, "Look, uh, I wasn't ready for that, or I wasn't prepared for that." Yeah. Anyhow, well, that turned into a career in radio for a little while, and then somehow, somewhere, somewhere, someone at the PGA Tour heard me, and they thought that the accent was novel, I guess, and and that I had insights enough to join a new endeavor of theirs called PGA Tour Live, and and that was essentially live streaming of PGA Tour golf, and. And that went from strength to strength. And funnily enough, the one Friday morning, I'll never forget. It was the Valspar Championship, and Tiger Woods was in the midst of one of his, you know, comebacks from injury. And Friday morning, and Tiger plays his way into the lead. And we are the only show in town that's showing Tiger Woods. And we got word from the tour that the servers crashed three times because there were so many folks downloading the show, uploading, was streaming the show, yeah. and. <laughs> Lo and behold, I'm on the call, and I did a swing analysis of his and stuff. And next thing, uh, CBS Sports comes calling, and uh, I did one or two events for them. Sort of started small, and and I grew up into now a part of their their, their network. Their, they call it their Big Show, the Golf Show. And so, looking back on the whole thing, it's been sort of crazy how a young guy from South Africa, who just knows a l- enough about enough. To offer a different perspective and not be a career player or yeah. a career broadcaster can slot into what's essentially the preeminent golf broadcast team in the world. So, <laughs> uh, looking back on this thing, some would call it serendipity. You know, now that I've grown up and wised up a little bit, I can certainly see um, God's hand in it all. And, and I take great delight in the fact that it tends to, to God that is, tends to gravitate. To using folks you wouldn't expect, you know, David, the shepherd boy becomes a king and and the disciples and such. So, so that's who I am in a a nutshell. I speak about golf and I try and use that with my broadcast and with my own podcast for the PGA tour is kind of a bit of a mission field, if you will. and, And as far as possible, you know, just use the gifts that I have to, to bring glory to the kingdom.
0: Yeah. So you shared, obviously, how you kind of ended up to where you are today in the the golf world. What about your faith? Um, what what does that journey look like, and, and how did you begin to follow Christ? And then, you know, along the way, what's got you to the place where you, that's really something you want to, to live out, the mission of Christ?
1: <laughs> well, God puts people in your lives, doesn't He? Um, and yes. I grew up in a Methodist church in South Africa, and... I was, uh, you know, confirmed and did all that sort of stuff, and I was introduced to the Bible, but I wouldn't say it was a guiding light in my world, and I was a little hedonistic when I was in college and the army and uh, and teaching golf out there on the European tour, but it was sort of always there in the background, and, and looking back, I could see how, even though I was a bit of a, a misguided soul, that, that, that there were these bumpers along the way, and then there was this young uh, lady who came along and her name was Tracy Martin. And uh, Tr- Trace was the person who essentially met me. Well, we knew each other when we were young and then we got back together. And uh, and so it was honestly because of Tracy's input in my life that I sort of turned a little bit more in the right direction. In fact, uh, we uh, quick story, we were in London And it was a Sunday morning and I'd, you know, it was after a Saturday evening and I'd gotten back from traveling and stuff and I wanted to sort of sleep and she goes, No, let's go to church. And so we go to church. It was like a a bus and a train and it's typically London. And about forty five minutes later we get to the place and it's one of those kind of evangelistic sort of services, you know, and I wasn't really comfortable with that stuff. And and she's having a ball, and I'm feeling awful. <laughs> and afterwards, there was a group of folks who were meeting over the road. This is on Oxford Street in London, right? So it's a big, you know, place. And um, they like, come join us for coffee in uh, in Starbucks. And I was looking at her, saying, "Tress, let's please get out of here." <laughs> And she, she goes, no, I would love to. And so we go over the road, and then they get to talking, and they're like, well, if you enjoyed the 11 a.m. service, you will love the 4 p.m. service. And so she's all in, and I'm like, are you serious? Anyway, so I went to two church services that day, and I guess the rest is the- <laughs> history. So, so it, it really is my wife, Tracy, in my life. Um, she still is a, a Source of great counsel to me, source of great wisdom, and I'm thankful to her for the influence, the godly influence she has brought. Um, and and it's just through that that I've felt like the calling and the prompting, and and the the Holy Spirit sort of influence continue to just nudge on me and just kind of massage me a little bit throughout it all. And and throughout the years, I'm happy to say that. I've I've responded to that calling a bit better than what I did initially so uh, yeah. so here we are uh, now funny enough now that I'm ready because as a, as an aside I guess you can hear our talk for a living um she when I was in radio she she always said to me she saw me doing bigger things mm-hmm. and then radio became streaming and then while I was doing all of this she then admitted to me Afterwards, I was hired by CBS. She was like, my prayer for you has been um, prosperity, growth, you know, in your career, but not until you were ready. Hmm. And she said that more than once. And I didn't know whether to take that as like a compliment or not. I was like, okay. (laughs) But it turns out that she's showing her wisdom there to say, look, with each level I've moved through, there's really been a new devil. And, yeah. um, and she didn't want me to get to a place like I am today where you're awfully in the spotlights. Um, there's a whole lot of stuff that's going on all the time and you have to be ready for it. And so I'm, I'm blessed to have her as a wife and, and a source of counsel.
0: No, you, you, you definitely, uh, made the right decision and your <laughs> partner for life. Uh, Tracy is great. No, Tracy is to love Tracy, uh, Paul and I work closely with Tracy and our marketing team and uh, it is just, you know, to watch even the two of you together and the love that you have for each other and Knowing that your schedules can be pretty crazy sometimes with you traveling and, and her uh, business and then the the kids and and yet you guys manage it and you navigate it with grace and strength and you definitely see uh, both of your personalities and your your marriage and love h- how God uses people and uh, especially oftentimes our spouse, the person who knows us the best, I think one of the things that makes a great marriage and honestly a great um a great husband is a wife who believes in them and uh, Tracy definitely believes in you.
1: Well, yeah, you're right. Um, I will add that she's cute looking too. So, I mean, (laughs) so, so, so the, 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 the relationship for me was really easy. Um, But, but you, you're right. It's, it's, One's strongest asset as a husband as a father is as a wife I mean it says so in proverbs I believe it was and I said this to Tracy on our wedding nights um that um uh, I think the the verse goes something to the effect of if a man has a wife of good character and a righteous wife you it's va- its value is more than all the rubies in the world or I'm paraphrasing to that sort of an effect and it truly is true if you tend to look at it that way now that doesn't mean that it's going to be all you know sunshine lollipops all the time um but 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 every day i wake up and i'm and i'm thankful for her and every day when i'm travelling everything that she's doing amongst running her own business and then you know kind of being a single parent if you will to my two daughters is she's a saint i'm certain one day when we when we check into heaven there's going to be a an extra special place for her. And I'm going to have to go and visit from my little condo somewhere compared to the palace that she's going to be in. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Love it. Um, Well, Mark, you mentioned some of the challenges that you face, like, you know, how God's prepared you for the next level as You've kind of stepped into to greater responsibility, uh, to more influence. What are some of the challenges you've faced uh, mm-hmm. knowing that you're gaining more influence, you have more people that are aware of your life, uh, and then obviously the attack uh, from the enemy? I mean, I believe you know that it's real, uh, that when mm-hmm. we're doing things for God and for the kingdom of God, there is a counter against that.
1: Yeah, well, I, I would say... There are various things that the challenge it, but if I had to paraphrase, I'd say, I, I, make a, I try and really live in hope and faith, and then I daily prepare for an onslaught because it's coming. Yeah. And then I also try and really always turn in, I turn to God's Word to find out who I really am. Because if I had to encapsulate the whole thing, because the more known you become— the more um, comp- uh, the more attacks are going to begin to happen Now that's not even talking about if you are a warrior in God's army because then it's guaranteed that it's happening. Yeah. So just on a completely um, sort of secular level, at where I am in broadcast, uh, there are thousands of folks waiting keyboards ready to skewer my every move if I've said something that's just halfway halfway inaccurate yeah, and even yeah. if it is accurate I, I could bring the most gospel message you've ever heard and folks are going to take issue to that too and if yeah. if you begin to own that sort of stuff it can really get one down so i would say that's the biggest uh, the biggest challenge always is to know who i am and know who god's made me to be and know the truth about me because if i'm listening to human critique all of the time and there's a lot of it i'm going to be a pretty unhappy a not even unhappy, depressed soul. So so, so that's big. So that's why I say I, I try and wake up every morning, and, and all I just want is just a little bit of faith enough to trust God because it's so easy to sort of start to rely on self. But I've gotten to a place where when I've got a microphone in front of my face and like with my podcast, I mean, we've got millions of folks around the world that listen. Goodness gracious, uh, if I had to consider the responsibility of it, I am not equipped for that. In in my own capacity, I do not have it. Now I might have a gift for golf, but but this is larger than golf. And so I just want faith enough to trust God to be able to say, "I'm opening up. I'm an empty vessel. You're the potter. Potter, I'm the clay. You know, Holy Spirit, come and give me the words." In fact, um, one of my favorite Bible verses is Exodus four ten through twelve, where Moses is in front of the burning bush. And God says to him, now go, I, I am. And Moses is like, but wait a second, God, I stutter and I don't speak very well. And God turns around and goes, who made your mouth? He goes, now go and I'm going to give you the words. And, and so that to me is a bit of a guiding light. And along those lines, the same thing happened to Jeremiah, You know, one of the great prophets of the Bible. I mean, these are yeah. heroes of our faith, right? Yeah. And God sends young Jeremiah and Jeremiah goes, God, I'm young and I can't speak. I'm not ready for this. And God's like, I made you, you, you made for this. So, so I just want that little bit of faith enough to be able to go, okay, I can do this. But not me, mm-hmm. I can do this because of the spirit that lives within me. And then then I know that if that's happening, then the onslaughts are going to come. Because I could do a perfect broadcast. And if I switch on Twitter, I'll find out I'm the worst human being who to ever hold a microphone. <laughs> And so you got to be prepared for that sort of stuff. And so it's a mindset to say like you're continually renewing your mind and you're continually armoring up. I mean, Ephesian, Ephesians 6, you know, 14 through 17, you know, put on the armor of God every day because it's coming. And anyone who's doing something like what yeah. you guys are doing or any person listening to this who's taking a stand for God and making a change and, and trying to change their life, it's going to happen. And I can tell you this, that this the deceiver, you know, he's roaring around. We've heard of this. But for me personally, all the attacks come on places that are closest to me, my family, my children, my self-belief. And so it's almost like you do this stuff and you you, you want to be known and you want to be seen and you want to do these cool things for the kingdom. But it's there's going to be a lot of headwind. And then… Mm-hmm. All of this, I'm just trying to up, you know, up, sort of update my faith a little bit, kind of like Cornelius in the Bible, I think it was, that said to Jesus, "I just want a little bit of faith. I just trust you that much because I, by myself, cannot do it." So, I know it's kind of being verbose a little bit, but it's about waking up in the morning with faith, trusting God to be a, a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. You know, opening myself up, making myself available, and then saying, "Okay, here I am." I know it's coming now and I'm going to armor up a little bit and just do my best, just open my mouth and and hope that the words come out. And even though they might sound kind of crazy to me, who knows how they're resonating somewhere else. And then at the end of the day, um, after it all, because there is that moment. I mean, when we brought golf back during 2020 in the COVID season, uh, CBS, we were the only show on TV, only live sports show on TV. (laughs) And we were in bubbles and stuff and it was horrid. It was exhilarating, but it was terrible. I can imagine what Paul must have felt like, right? Doing God's work and getting bitten by snakes <laughs> and stuff. And so you, you, I'm sitting in my hotel room with a glass of wine by my bed, you know, watching the playback on TV, going, "Oh my goodness, I sound horrible." And then I look over and I got a glass of wine by myself in a hotel room. I'm like, "Are you becoming that kind of guy?"
0: Yeah. But
1: but then it's just sort of knowing who I am and so, sort of saying. I was uniquely crafted somehow for this minute, for this moment. And then truly believing in that and then going with it and then, you know, trying to rest easy in the evening and get up the following morning and do it all again.
0: I love your focus on identity. I think um, knowing who you are is super important. And I think honestly, there's a lot of men that get misguided in that area. And um, I think oftentimes that's where there can be a real crisis in our life when we don't know who we are, or who we're created to be. And I think that's one of the things that any time spent around you, I know that that you know God has is, is really sculpted you into knowing who you are today. And I think that plays so into your success, but then also the fact that your success, your success has not been something that's taken you out. Or impacted you in a way that's negative? Well, look, I'm not going to admit that it's easy.
1: Um, The the truth of it is, and everybody knows this, temptation is a given. Uh, And temptation is, it's so easy to succumb. I mean, how about Jesus? The first thing that happened in his ministry was he was taken to a desert for 40 days (laughs) and got tempted. And, And so, like... Almost the more we get known and the more we become something, then temptation is also basically a given. And that's where knowing who you truly are is is truth, in my opinion, for what that's worth, is the only way you're going to be able to avert the, the temptation because it's coming. You know, you're not going to be immune to this. You can be immune to this stuff, but you won't be immune to it not happening. So um, like with where I am. Tracy says to me all the time, she goes, you know, you're on TV, people know you, people notice you, you've got a hotel, you know, women are looking at you and stuff like that. And then you start talking, they're like, I know you. And so all of a sudden there's this intrigue, this allure, even though I'm like 52 years old. And so it's it's knowing who who are you? Who are you in God? What does he put you on this earth to do? Um, what's your purpose? Remain true to that. And, and and keep your eyes on the goal there because it's so easy to have your focus detracted and and it's almost yeah. a continual sort of mindset shift to go from, Oh, wow. And then you just got to get yourself back to what the real truth is.
0: Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break and uh, share a little about, an upcoming event that we have, and then uh, Paul's actually going to join us uh, and continue the interview. Uh, you and Paul have a long uh, relationship where you've known each other, and I, I don't want to miss the opportunity to have him and, and you talk and share. So uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back.
1: Join us for Restored, the Redeemed Men's Event, featuring special guest Tim Tebow. Don't miss this opportunity to hear inspirational speaker and Heisman Trophy winner Tim Tebow, 7.30 p.m. Thursday, August the 24th in Columbus, Georgia. Tickets are on sale now. Visit the slash restore to purchase or learn more about the evening. Come join us. We look forward to seeing you there.
2: Well, in an odd change, Uh, Nate has been kind enough to allow me to step in and to have the opportunity to talk to one of my great friends in life, Mark Immelman. Mark, it is a pleasure to see you, and thank you so much for letting me play the second half of this interview. Are you kidding?
1: They're bringing in the a team for the end of the game. This is the, this is this, this is like Jesus doing the wine in the first miracle. You know, where the where the host of the wedding said, "Oh, you saved the best for last." Now I'm getting the best.
2: Oh, I don't know about that. I certainly. Well, I appreciate you saying that. That means a lot to me, and uh, it's great to be on here with a true friend, mm-hmm. uh, Mark. Interestingly enough, during 21 days of prayer and fasting at Church of the Highlands, God called me to a season of routine. He said that I needed to do a better job of starting my day with him and really delving into not just the reading, but prayer and also some meditation. I'm curious how you start your day and what is going, what goes on for you kind of, because you mentioned earlier to Nate that beginning of your day is important. What is it that you do to kick things off right and get in your mindset with God?
1: Well, apparently uh, God is after you and I from the same vein because during the very same 21 days of prayer and fasting, it was sort of highlighted to me inside of my soul really that you know I was spending time in the Bible, but not really spending time in the Bible. I was just doing the cursory Bible verse reading and stuff and then sort of saying the the quick thank you God for the day sort of prayer and then moving along. So for me... um, it it really is, and you know how easy it is, you know, when you've got responsibilities, especially like yourself, where you can wake up and you've got something that's pressing in the day and it's so easy to just turn into like work and do mode. And and before a broadcast, for argument sakes, you know, that stuff's in your mind a little bit. And so you get up and you kind of hit the ground running. But I, I, I do make a concerted effort to make time spent in the word The first thing, because it says in the Bible that if you seek God first, then he will give you the desires of your heart. Right, And so I do, uh, for the first time ever, I won't say ever, but I'm, I'm being disciplined about not just I'm kind of reading the Bible, but writing down verses that jump out and memory verses. And it's funny how when I start to do that, then the truth, because i was talking to Nate about you know realizing who you truthfully are, and not listening to all of the naysayers around you. Um, then that truth, when you're writing it, gets impressed upon your heart a little bit more. So, I spend time in the Bible. I, I write down whatever verses you know s- struck a chord with me. I spend some time praying. Um, and then I sort of get to it. And then to the meditation thing, I've taken to cold plunging, because wow, yeah, because you talk about. I, it realized to me, Paul, and I'm sure you can agree to this, given all of the responsibility you've had, even at a young age, that we live in a perpetual state of adrenaline. You're know, it's you going from one thing to the other, and you're never really taking a minute to just breathe. And, and it was impressed upon me just in a moment of quietness on an airplane one day where I was like, the first thing that ever happened to mankind was God breathe it into his mouth. And I realized how badly I was. I was panting my way through life. And so as a result, my health wasn't, it was good, but it wasn't great. And so the cold plunging, you get into this couple, well, first off, you've got to get over your, your head space that's telling you, you don't want to do this. And you get in there <laughs> cold and your body gets into fight or flat system uh, mode. And then. You go into the water and you get this like, oh, it takes your breath away thing. And, and then you've got to learn to settle down inside of the mayhem and, and just start to breathe. Because that's all we do. You just breathe in, basically. And, and then during that time, you can sort of feel how your body starts to remedy itself. You warm up inside. And look, your hands and feet and stuff are still cold. But it's amazing how your body starts doing what it should. And... Um, so I stay in there for a bit, and I breathe deeply, and I do some breathing regimen, and then I pray a little bit, and then I, I get on with it. And then there's a real reward in that afterwards because the it's after it all, it's exhilarating. After it all, there's a sense of relief, and so it sort of sets me up a little bit. Now, I don't do that every morning. Sometimes it's later in the day if I can. Sometimes I, I can't do it because of work, but that's become a part of the regimen. So I would say it's wake up. You know, thankful for the day, some Bible verse writing, not just reading, prayer, and then uh, into the into the cold water to really wake up my soul.
2: <laughs> so are you jumping in the shower, the bathtub, the pool? Where are you jumping into this just so that I got the visual of, of this? I <laughs> don't know if you want the visual. All of the above. Um,
1: when I'm at home, it's in the pool. Um, when I'm on the road, it's in the shower, a cold shower. If it's uh, obviously that's available, if there's a pool at a hotel, I, I'll do that, um, at the risk of offending some other folks. But I, I go and do that, and then um, I'm actually looking into getting one of those cold plunge tubs and putting it in the house over here because my pool water is probably about forty nine fifty degrees, which is cold enough. They tell me, but uh, this this cold plunge tub, tub is like thirty nine. And so uh, that's the real deal. So there's the goal eventually.
2: Mark, I truly admire you in so many, for so many different things, but that is a whole step in a different direction, my friend. I, I'm willing to do a lot, but I'll tell you what, if, if God calls me for cold plunge, I'm going to call you first because that's, uh, that's not on my top list of things I want to volunteer for.
1: Wait a second. I mean, look, the feeling's mutual because if I look at a guy who does hard things— I would put you in my top five folks I've met who does hard things. And look, cold plunging is not as hard as some of the stuff you've ever had to do or deal with. Because like I was saying with Nate, you know, it's amazing how we can not make the thing, the thing because you're, you're under attack. I'm under attack all the time. And all the attacks hit us in the areas we care about the most, don't they? And so when you get in this water in a funny sort of a way, All you can think about at that time is this cold water in your breathing. So there's an element of meditation to it. So in as much as what it sounds impossible,
2: it's actually strangely helpful in a weird way. Well, that's awesome. Well, Mark, one of the topics I'd love to cover with you is about patience. You know, when I think about all the years that we talked about you and your future, And you probably exhibited more patience than any human being I've ever seen, ever. Uh, You know, when I was pushing you to do different things and to raise rates and to selectively talk about your clients, you had a sense of what God was doing for you in the long term. And so if you wouldn't mind for a minute, talk a little bit about your career and a little bit about how God prepared you for where you are today.
1: Well... Look, I appreciate you recognizing my behavior as patience. I hardly think it was. I would say it was probably more fear of really taking a step out. Um and I was I'm still to this day thankful for your influence, and as I'd mentioned to Nate, to my wife Tracy, who, you know, behind the scenes has been a real cornerstone and and sort of helped me to remain focused. And we did talk a bit about the fact that you know all those years giving lessons on the range, out there in Columbus in the middle of the summer, it was sort of like my desert experience. And I poo-pooed at the, at the time because something inside here was telling me there's something bigger. But like Tracy, I'd mentioned Tracy had always said to me, she goes, you, she was praying for advancement for me, but not until I was ready. Mm. And, and so I don't know if that was patience or it was just me being fearful of taking a step away. You know, being a, a a foreigner in the United States and not being a citizen yet, there, will, there was always the work permit thing hanging over our head, and, and and so it always seemed like wherever you turned, there was one or other legalistic barrier. But now looking back on it, I'm choosing to look at upon that stuff as if to say, hey, this was all used for good, right? Um, and instead of like going, oh well, I missed out on ten years of my life. I could choose to look at that or I could just choose to look at it and go, hey, this was God uniquely qualifying me for what I'm doing now. Because the broadcast crew that I'm on, it's a selection of broadcast icons and PGA Tour stars and major champions and me. And so, whereas I have a lot of intellect and insight about the game of golf, I don't belong there, you know, in the secular vein, in the human vein but with all that time I spent on the range learning to communicate learning to look at golf differently learning to look at my craft differently it was sort of you know that time where I was serving my apprenticeship to be able to step into this role that I currently have so it's weird um I, I wish I could say to folks that you can circumvent some of these things um you can't but I know this looking back on it with our hindsight being 2020 that, you know, everything will be used for good, and I truly believe that. I, I'm, I'm visual proof of the fact that no word of God will come back to him void. It's I am proof. Anything's possible. And so I appreciate you saying it was patience. It wasn't at the time. <laughs> it was more fear, but it's worked out for good.
2: Fear is something that all of our audience can understand. We've all been through circumstances in life where we're fearful, Tell me what it took for you to take that plunge. Tell me what it took for you to say, I'm past the fear of, you know, being a citizen. I'm past the fear of, you know, who I am and really stepping into the role of being the man who not only talks about golf differently, but is able to communicate to people something that others cannot.
1: I think it's a healthy dose of necessity being the mother of invention, and and I think it's also the fact that when you – I looked at a calendar one day, and I looked at this going, well, golly, there's like half of my life is gone, and now it's time to get to it sort of thing. So eventually there's going to be that turning point, and and, and I would say that there's always been a little something pushing me. And there's just enough to push me to the next place because, look, there's been situations where I've gone in there and I've been sort of honestly petrified and maybe sometimes overawed by the situation. Um, But as I've grown in my faith, I've realized that I belong there. And so as a result, I go into the broadcast or I'll never forget the first time I sat at a dinner with a CBS sports crew. And this was before our current crew. So it was Jim Nance, Nick Feldo, Gary McCord, Peter Costas, Dottie Pepper, and myself. And it was like these titans of the industry and me. And I remember looking around the table going, golly, what am I doing here kind of thing? And so that stuff can get into (laughs) your head. And then I just had to get back to the thing that God says, you know, I've made you fearfully and wonderfully, and I've made you, on purpose, for a purpose. And so then I'd realize that, hold on, I'm here. So now I've got to do my thing. And so there was some necessity and there was some situations where I just ended up there and I had to deal with it. But the fear is real. I'll be honest with you. Um, you could probably speak to this because the higher I've ascended inside of my industry, the bigger things have become. I remember when I was in radio to start or college golf, Look, it had its challenge, right? Um, I had goals to achieve, and then stepping into broadcast, each level I've gone through, um, there's been a different devil. And the bigger you become, the more attacks start coming your way and stuff. So the more fear can be a thing, but I just keep on relying, you know, reminding myself—it's almost a daily endeavor—that that fear is a bit of a liar, um, and and I've got to read and remain true to the, what God says to, about me and. And then live in that because it's it's easy to turn in the opposite direction. So it's sort of a daily, almost mental endeavour. Part of my quiet time when I wake up is not necessarily affirmations, but just, you know, reading the Psalms and how David speaks about God in this like reverential sense. And then he's like, Who is man that you would, you know, consider him? And then then but then he starts to talk about give me strength and you're my fortress and that sort of thing. So that's I'm choosing to live each day,
2: and it certainly is helpful. That's amazing. And that is so real to our audience to understand what fear is like for you. Spiritual warfare is something that I firmly believe in. I think we are at war every day with the enemy, and God is here protecting us, but at the same time, knowing this world has already fallen. I'm curious what you do to help fend off that spiritual warfare. (laughs) And how do you go about uh, in the midst of the day, in the midst of the moment, telling yourself that you're capable and you're the man that God has selected? Because, you know, I had the pleasure of getting to know John Eldridge. And John stood on stage one day and said, after he had rocked it the day before, that the enemy had come to him and completely undermined his ability and told him he was worthless. This Mm -hmm. is one of the greatest Christian speakers in America. So the enemy is trying to attack us all. What do you do to really step in front of that and take it on?
1: (laughs) The last Bible verse I've written in my journal was Ephesians 6, 14 through 17, you know, putting on the armor of God. And I remember, Paul, how many times I've read that thing and just read it. And now when I read it, I actually physically in my head do that sort of thing. And, and I realize that the word of God is an offensive weapon and the shield can fend off the, these attacks that are going to come. I mean, because what your John Eldridge story is so real. There's been many a time when I've made the mistake after a show or whatever to just switch on social media and then I find how bad I am. And it's so easy to start believing that, that stuff. So it it is, I would say Ephesians six, 14 through 17. If I was to recommend something to someone, I would say, go and read that, go and consider each word. And then mentally almost do that sort of stuff. And I know for me, it was like hocus pocus in the beginning, but it's for real. Uh, and, I, and I almost imagine that I'm a warrior and you're getting ready for it. Because when warriors, army, our army, God bless them, go into battle, they prepare for this stuff because they know an attack is coming. You know, the spiritual war, warfare that you talk about, it's real. It's more real than people think. And and my, my mom always said to me, new level, new devil. So you can guarantee it's coming. So you've got to get ready for this stuff. So, so that's kind of how I go about it.
2: Our audience ranges from very young age to a very mature age. Uh, But for you and I to use a golf analogy that Shane Green, uh, one of our former podcast guests and the preacher at St. Paul United Methodist here in Columbus, Georgia says, he said, you know, we got the front nine and the back nine. And he said, I'm staring down the face of the back nine. You mentioned uh, the reality of second half of life. And so, I'm curious what you've had to do differently in the second half of life than in the first half, and how is that influencing your goals from here? Golly, Paul, that's such a good question. I, I've I've never really considered that.
1: Um, right, you know, I will say this: I, I'm I'm really trying hard to be exactly where my feet are, and that's cliched, but it's true because. I can, you, one can be concerned about the future. Lord knows, especially now. Uh, one could be concerned about the past. But the truth of all of that is, you know, it's the future and it's the past. Yet we, you've got to be here and you've got to be present. And so I'm just trying to sort of go in the second half of my life, I'm going to be right where I am. So if I'm in this conversation with Paul right now, I'm a hundred percent there. If I'm hanging out with my two daughters, I'm a hundred percent there and I'm sort of halfway engaged when I'm around Tracy, I'm completely present when I'm broadcasting, I'm there. I'm not looking on my phone and stuff. So it's, it's just a, you know, living each day and kind of, you know, just dealing with circumstance as it is. And then reminding myself constantly that even though stuff might not be working out from my point of view, That, again, God's in control of this whole thing in as much as what it may seem bleak. Because what's just popped in my head was, um, you know, when I had COVID a year and a half ago or whatever, I watched that series, The Chosen. And it, 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 it brought things to light from the disciples' point of view. Now, imagine you and me are walking along with Jesus, right? I mean, this is the Savior of the Creator and the Savior of the world. And then you get in a storm on a boat. And Jesus is sleeping, and you are freaking out, but you're sitting there with the Creator of the world in the boat with you. Yet the disciples were still freaking out, and I draw a strange solace from that. Going, I, I guess it's okay to worry, but then just to come back to faith because the first thing you would say was like, "Oh, you have little faith." It's like I'm here. Yeah, what are you worried about? And it must be easy if He's there, although it wasn't because they did freak out. So then I just try and always remind myself that no matter what's going on. God's got this. And then I have to remind myself, looking where I am, because look at this now. There's a little kid from South Africa who's on a show with one of the great business leaders of the United States. I'm like, yeah, this is not in my of my own volition or skill level. It's because of what God's done in my lifetime. And so uh, there, I've got enough proof to say that he's always been there. And, um, and so as a result, whatever the challenges of the day might be, it's, it's going to work out in the long haul.
2: You know, Mark, I have to admit that I really struggle with being present, Mm -hmm. that the idea of going into the past or future tripping into the future uh, is something that often I struggle with. And so the your ability to be present with your family, with your bride, in your business and in what you do, I think that's truly admirable. And uh, I, I admire you for focusing on that. I have to admit this,
1: Paul, because I don't have it all together. Um it's a job. it's It's an endeavor for me. and and all the business folks listening to this and all the single dads and whatever the case might be, um, it, it it is really hard because the more responsibility there is, the harder it is to be really present. And I'm not saying I'm winning at this all the time. I, Lord knows I fail, but I guess it's just the effort you know it's just that little bit of faith that just the size of a mustard seed just trying your best in every situation because i know this for certain right habits good or bad are reliable and i've learned as a golf instructor that i can trust habits and so if i am just trying every day to be as present as possible then hopefully down the road that this habit will begin to grow and flourish and and it'll it'll it'll, uh, it'll win over but I'm certainly not saying I've got it all together. Please, please don't misunderstand me there.
2: You know, last month we focused on uh, the idea that marriage was a critical component to success and a critical component to what God does in our lives. And I know you've mentioned Tracy on a couple of occasions, but if you wouldn't mind for a minute telling us just a little bit about how that relationship has really changed your faith and what it's done for, for you in your life.
1: Tracy's the reason why I am a man of faith now. I grew up in a church. Um, I was exposed to—I was confirmed in the Methodist church. I went to Sunday schools and stuff, but it was just that. It was sort of the Sunday ritual. And then when I was a youngster, I was positively hedonistic, let's be honest. Um, But— you know, Tracy's influence in my life is, is more than just bringing some organization and direction. She's She she has been used handsomely, and I'm thankful for her, to, to help me honestly get completely on track spiritually. I would say I've always been a hard worker. I've always been diligent. I've had those things. But my, my spiritual life was a bit messy. And, and and thanks to her continual influence, because again, it's 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 a battle we face daily, right? Um, her continual influence helps me to sort of keep things on track. And here, almost, um, almost during the COVID time when we were on the road broadcasting and it was lonely, that's when all of the investment in our marriage started to come to fruition, because there were times away and we were in bubbles and it was all crazy stuff, like people being separated. And so all of that, during that time, I realized that, hold on a second, the Word of God, my faith, everything that Tracy and I have learned together, the stuff she's helped me with, that sort of stood me in good stead there. And that was almost, I don't want to say a watershed, but that's when I started to become a little bit more vocal about what I believe. And I wouldn't say I'm bold just yet, but certainly bold enough to speak out when someone would ask, like, why are you in such a good mood or whatever? And then I'd say something. And, and and that is, I would say, Tracy is a large part of uh, of that growth.
2: That's amazing. You know, Mark, for a lot of our listeners, they are people who not necessarily have the unique job that you do, but they have jobs where either they are required to work extensive hours or they're required to be on the road. And you are separated from your family a lot of the year with what you do. How do you maintain balance, and what do you really focus on to keep your connection with your wife and your two girls?
1: Remain balanced. I think you should ask Tracy that question. Um, for me, uh, it is challenging. Um, what I do find just in the pure mechanics of it, I, in as much as what it's, sometimes it's a personal sacrifice, I make every attempt to get home as quickly as I can. And I, and I make every attempt to, to leave as late as I can. Because, look, it would be easy, you know, after a broadcast on a Sunday night to just, you know, sleep in the following day and travel late Monday. But if I'm on the West Coast, I'll be on the red eye. I'll try and get back, even though I'm a bit of a zombie the next day. But it's just trying to get home as much as possible. It's trying really to keep in touch, you know, nowadays with FaceTime and text messaging and all this sort of stuff. Uh, I try and do that as far as possible that's that that is difficult because of time change and stuff like that so it's not easy it certainly isn't but thankfully our family and uh, i'm hoping my girls realize this is, is that it's just a season and you know the season will come to an end eventually uh, and right now in the season everyone's making a sacrifice um thankfully they are in behind me and they support what i'm doing so i can achieve my goals but it's 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 a complete family sacrifice this but For all the folks listening, for travel and that, it's not easy. I, I, I wouldn't say I've got it all together.
2: While you may talk about humble roots and you may talk about what it's taken to persevere, let's be honest, you've reached the apex of golf. And so I'm curious how you remain grounded. What do you do to tell yourself that, you know, in these moments of A hugely successful podcast, an on-television personality, radio, everything. I mean, you have worked hard to achieve it, but now you're at the top. How do you stay grounded?
1: It's friends like you. Um, It's my wife's influence. I I would say community has a a large part of that. And, And also, if I'm true to the fact that my work is my mission field, then I must exhibit the fruits of the spirit, right? And mm. so, so I make every effort to just treat people right. I make every effort to treat people the way that I would like to be treated. Uh, I make um, the effort. Honestly, it is an effort at times to 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 not show anger or whatever the case might be. So it's it's a lot of accountability with friends and and with family, and and then just trying to be, you know, honestly, the hands and feet of Jesus and. If you look at everything Jesus did, he was stern in spots and he was forthright, but there was always compassion in everything he did. And he thought of folks above himself. And And so I try on that front. I wouldn't say I'm successful all the time, but it certainly is a daily goal of mine.
2: You mentioned bringing faith to the workplace. And the reality is that in today's world, that can be difficult. But how do you demonstrate and talk about and and go forward with faith at the job? Because for so many of us, that's a difficult topic in this world today. Paul, I have failed
1: at that for the last five years. Now, I'm thinking I failed because remember, Trendy, yeah, I talk about Tracy a lot. Um, she continually says to me, she goes, just be present. You don't have <clears> to be <throat> spouting Bible verses at people. Again, just treat them right, and they're likely to ask you if they're quizzical, and then you can sort of ease, their, ease them into the Jesus thing. Um, but I would say, and I have been challenged in my spirit a little bit, to be a bit more bold about the thing now, because initially I, I would always, the situation would be there for me to say something, and I'd bail on it. I, I'll, I'll admit that candidly in front of you and everyone listening. Um, but it is hard. I would almost argue that it would be easier to travel off to Central Africa somewhere on a mission trip than it would be to go to your friends in the workplace. And so it's a hard job. And I commend every man and woman who's listening to this, if they are doing this, if they are the hands and feet of Jesus, because it's easy to be ostracized if if you bring it along. In fact, it says so in the Bible. It says you'll likely be persecuted for for loving me and for for w- doing work for me, and so you you've just got to take your chances when you can and 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 I just like I say, just always try and show compassion. You know, try and show a little something different. Try and make people wonder what is it about this guy. There was a long winded, but there was a story. It, it, it's proof to me that people around me have been praying for me. <laughs> Where I was brand new with CBS. And there was an event in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina called the Wyndham Championship. Still there. And I'm brand new and I arrive at the airport, rental car, and I get into the rental car. I turn on the radio. Now, old Mark would have found the first rock and roll station there was, right? And I turn on the radio. Mm-hmm. It's K-Love, the, the Christian radio yep. station. And there's a song there um, that that came on. Um, I can't remember the band. It might, might have been Mercy Me or whoever it was. But it was about you've got grace, and you've got mm. grace everywhere because of God. And and then I suddenly realized, I'm like, whoa, this is a little bit bigger than I am right now. And and so now, when I'm in the car, I tune the radio station to those things, and it's ama- those chan- those channels. It's amazing how those songs almost put you in a place to be to show more grace and to show more mercy and to show more compassion to people because. The truth of it is, no matter who they are, no matter how powerful they are, no matter how much money they have, everyone's looking for peace. huh? And so if you can bring a little bit of that to people's lives, I know it makes them feel better.
2: If you wouldn't mind, we'd love to do some rapid-fire questions. But the first one, because it's not totally rapid, is how many downloads have you got on On The Mark podcast up to this point? (laughs) Why are you asking me that question? (laughs) because you have been a resounding success and i think people need to hear how successful you've been because it it's an inspiration to all of us so i know it's a ridiculous number so tell me tell me now, the number how about i tell you what i got in my first month
1: okay i'll give you a guess how many downloads did i get in my first month month 100 10 <laughs> <laughs> Which turns out to be my father's lucky number, right?
2: <laughs> uh
1: huh. Okay. My next month, I think I got like thirty nine. I remember the first time when I got a hundred, I was like over the moon. Um. Now, eight eight short seasons later, holy cow! Um, we have a six million something. I don't know what it is. I've, I've, I've six
2: million on. downloads.
1: Oh, oh my oh, goodness! Yeah, here's what I used to do, right? I, you, all of us, everyone listening to this, we're driven. We're, we've we all got goals. Like I, I admire you so much for what you're doing with this with this ministry and this podcast. But me personally with this podcast, the tour, PGA tour came to me. They're like, do this. I'm like, how do you do this? So we started and it was disastrous starting. And I would set myself goals like 100. And each time I got the goal, I would have the app on my phone, phone and I would take a screenshot of the goal hits. And I remember it used to be like thousands, and then it became ten thousands, and then it became 50,000. I don't even take pictures of the screenshots anymore because this thing has grown its own legs. Um, <laughs> it's it's the one thing that, that you know, if someone asked me about starting a podcast, I'd say to them, it just takes one. It really just takes one where someone downloads and someone tells someone else, and all of a sudden it gets a little legs and then you open up a new audience, and and that's what happened with us. I mean, I, I I found that my podcast that people just want to play better golf. I actually pivoted when when we started the show; it was like a recap magazine show for the tour. And then I was like, this is not me. I teach golf, and so I started to give golf lessons, and that's where it began to grow. And and now, um, I'm I'm super thankful that. That the, the thing sort of does itself, and people want to join me. I don't have to go and beg folks to come and join them, them
2: uh, join me as guests on my podcast. So, rapid fire. Okay. Uh, what's the what book are you reading right now?
1: Uh, oh, goodness! It's a James Patterson book. It's on my bedside table. But I'm also reading a book, and now I'm going to have a senior moment. It's by a member of our church. It's called. It's about the Holy Spirit, and it's, it's it's like friend of God or something about that. I wish I had it close, so I could uh, so, so I could tell you about it. But those are the two books that I'm reading. Favorite food? Love Indian food. You know that. Um, I'm a big fan of a taco, soft tacos. Um, oh, Goodness, I love everything, but Indian probably Indian or Thai. What are you watching on TV when you're not watching golf? <laughs> News? The news? <laughs> That's a bad idea. Um, probably the news. And then once in a while, I watch like a Netflix show.
2: Beach or mountains? Which one do you prefer? Used to be mountains, now beach. Beautiful. We have had the opportunity tonight to talk to a husband, a father, a friend, a successful man in his business, and someone who has persevered to the very top of his industry. Mark, as my friend, I truly thank you for being on the show today, and I am honored to get to spend this time with you. To all of our audience, I want to thank you so much for coming and uh, being a part of this. I hope that you will sign up for our newsletter and continue to follow us on social media. We'll have another exciting podcast next week. We thank you for all you do. Godspeed and God bless.
0: We want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Redeemed Man podcast. We hope you come away with this episode feeling energized and better equipped to face life's challenges. Join our exclusive newsletter. Sign up today and be the first to get notified on upcoming podcasts and new resources. Above all, we hope you remember that no matter how broken you feel, God's love is for everyone and hope is within reach.